welcome to episode 13 of Slaytanic Verkast, the internet's only comprehensive chronological retrospective of the world's greatest thrash metal band, the mighty Slayer. Each week, we dissect a track from their back catalogue by playing through the song, analysing the lyrics and giving a final appraisal. I'm Mo from France and to my west, broadcasting from the bedroom of a suspected war criminal, it's Dr. Liquescence. How you doing, Doc? I am very, very mm. I feel that I'm in my spiritual home this evening. Mm-hmm. Mm. Tell, tell, tell us all about it. It's not a bedroom that's as debased or rancid or particularly appalling as you might imagine. It's very mm-hmm. tidy. Um, the, the, the small private collection of books on the bookshelf next to the bed um, are very, very carefully arranged. Um, the two drawers under the bed, um, which is quite obviously what I'm here for in the first place, mm-hmm. um, contain all of the records of the insane medical experiments that the, 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 the normal inhabitant um, conducted between, I think, about 1928 and probably about 1970. Oh, okay. Um, so some of this stuff is so interesting. My original plan was just to take my craft knife and slice out the two or three dozen sheaves to complete the, the, the gaps in my own research. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually tempted. There's a couple of whole entire binders here that I'm just tempted to stuff into my backpack um, and then sort of um, go back down my, uh, my rappel line. Um, they would be missed, but I don't know if it isn't actually worth it. it it's mm. a question I'm going to have to spend the next hour and a half considering very carefully to myself. Mm. Um, is it worthwhile compromising my position? Because once he realizes they're gone, he's going to know, he's going to know someone's onto him. Of and course. it's not going to take him long, it's not going to take him long before he, he, he realizes the three people in the world that might be. Of course, and, and, and your reputation procedures, isn't it, Doc? Well, um, out of those three people, I, of course, am one. Um, another one is mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one, as far as I know, um, is a brain attached to a spinal column mm. um, in a tank of amniotic fluid um, <laughs> uh, somewhere in Moscow. I've got a question for you. How did you gain access to uh, the bedroom. Obviously, you've gone through the window and you're going to have to rappel back to, to ground level. Now, given that you've only got one arm and that, you know, your, your flesh is generally kind of sloughing off your bones, how, how did you manage it, Doc? I'm fascinated. I flowed under the door. <laughs> really? Okay, yes, sure. A silly question on my part. Yes, you're um, right. It was hard work, and what prompted me to do it this week as opposed to any at any point later, is that um, if my bones become any more bone-like and less cartilaginous, um, I don't think I'll be able to do it. Fair enough. So, so it was now or never, basically. Pretty much, yes. And then obviously once I was in, um, the only reason for having to go back down the rappel line to get out is to, to, to take the materials with me. Of course, of um, course, yes. You don't need you, you don't need to go that way because you could just flow under the door, but 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 obviously the files cannot. I totally understand. Um, That's right. What have I done this week? Well, I'm just going to talk to you. I want to go into. I want to. I want to be a bit of a nerd, if I could, Doc. Um, 
I've been playing a video game called Guacamelee 2. Now, Guacamelee is a video game by a games development company called Drinkbox Studios in Toronto. Um, absolutely sensational video game de developers. Um, they started, I don't know, 12 or 13 years ago with something called Tales from Space, Mutant Blobs Attack, um, which is a fabulous, fabulous title. Um, then, they, then they presented Guacamole, the original. Then they gave us Severed. And following that, we've got Guacamole 2. Now, I'm going to say some words to you here, Doc. And I want to see if you can glean any meaning from them. This is not... For the listeners, I'm, I'm not trying to, 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 to trick the good doctor. I'm not trying to make him feel bad. I'm just interested, as an outsider, will these words mean anything to him? Here we go. Guacamole 2 is a Metroidvania platforming beat-em-up. What does that mean, Doc? Does that mean anything to you at all? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely. Isn't it interesting, you know, if, if, yes. as an outsider? Because to me, that's, that's totally clear and logical. Um, you know, as a gamer, when somebody describes a game, I don't know, let's say somebody, if somebody said, to, if I said to somebody, what kind of game is it? And they said, well, it's an art, it's, it's, it's an RTS God mode uh, sim. I go, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But to everybody else, that's gibberish, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, um, I have literally zero idea what that might mean. Guacamole 2, honestly, any, anybody listening to this who hasn't played it, Metroidvania, platform, platforming beat-em-up, this is a game where you explore dungeons, effectively. Um, you are a some kind of like luchador, luchador, like a Mexican wrestler. Um, and you explore, it's a dungeon crawler, so you, you, you explore dungeons, Every, pretty much every room is a monster closet. So a monster closet would be, as you walk into the room, toom, the door slammed down on either side. There's no escape. You've got to, you've got to, you, you know, you've got to vanquish the, the enemies that are in there before you're allowed to, before you're allowed to proceed. Doom, which I know is a game you are familiar with, Doc, is yes, a yeah. monster closet at, at times. Not, not, not to the extent that guacamole is, but, but, but every so often in Doom, you will go into a room you ain't fucking moving on until you until you kill that cacodemon. You know what I mean? Um, that's a monster closet. Um, the Metroidvania aspect comes from two games from the Nintendo system, which is Metroid and Castlevania. So we smash those two words together as a portmanteau to give us Metroidvania. And it, it's it, it's the idea that you 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 have to backtrack a lot. So, so you will encounter things along the way that you cannot yet access because you don't have the powers required to access it. Yes. So you then have to later in the, you know, so, so you can effectively kind of finish the game or almost finish the game. And then you go back to the start. Now you've got all of your powers, you know, you can like double jump and drift and fly and slide and all this stuff that you couldn't do initially. And suddenly those areas become accessible based on your powers. Um, uh -huh. 
platforming, well, platforming, you know, that's, that's your Sonic, that's your typical Sonic and Mario kind of stuff, you know, where you're kind of bouncing from platform to platform, um, trying not to fall off and beat them up. Well, that's the melee part of the, of the name, guacamelee, you know, obviously a play on guacamole, but they spell it M-E-L-E-E, melee. If we melee something, what we're doing, we, 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 we're hitting it, aren't we, really? We're kind of punching the shit out of it, really. Um, so that's the, that's the beatable aspect. It's fantastic. Anybody, anybody who likes video games, do yourself a favour. Go and play. Well, first of all, go and play Guacamelee, and then go and play Guacamelee 2. They are absolutely fantastic. Um, corrections, Doc. Corrections. Here we go. Last time, we were talking about <clears throat> the Books of Blood, Clive Barker's Books of Blood. In fact, it might not have been the last episode, but it was the last episode proper where we were talking about the song Show No Mercy. Um, yeah. And I think both of us were kind of... I think, I think maybe you introduced the, 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 the notion, but I, I went along with it, that somehow the lyrics were inspired somehow by... You know, kind of a bit of a bit of Clive Barker somewhere down the line. You remember? Yeah, um, I was curious as to um, very specifically whether or not it was Clive Barker who came up, was the first person to come up with the sort of very 80s idea of um, unapologetic um, SM horror, basically. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. That's it. Exactly. Yes. And I wanted to know when Books of Blood came out because I have a very, very, very shrewd suspicion that out of Clive Barker's earth, the Books mm. of Blood are where that stuff comes from, and obviously, specifically, the Hellbound Heart. Sure. Um, so, so that was how the subject came up. Um, yeah. I think suspected, did we not? They were around 1982. Yes, and we were wrong. We were wrong, unfortunately. So obviously, you know, Show No Mercy, the song was released in 83, which would make would lead me to believe it was written at least in 1982. So, you know, at least, maybe maybe before that, but we can't be sure about that, but definitely before 1983. Now, Books of Blood, volume one came out in 1984 and volume two in 1985. So Slayer's lyrics predate the Clyde Barker stuff by at least one year. So they, they, weren't, they were not lifting it from that source. That's disappointing in one way. Mm. On the other hand, it's terribly exciting because um, it kind of infers that there is another wellspring for that kind of source material mm -hmm. um, that existed before then. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm now sort of inspired to go to try to find out what that might be. Is it not possible that they, you know, they, they kind of cut it from clean cloth? Um, if they did, um, then that makes Slayer very, very influential, not mm. just in the subculture of metal, um, but in the subculture of horror mm. um, and a whole bunch of allied um, lifestyle subcultures as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting, isn't it? It's a very, very Definitely. interesting path to, to explore. A second correction. Uh, we were talking. Um, <laughs> we were talking about uh, some fabulous lyrics that, that you re that you remembered, Doc, which was uh, chant the cause of pandemonium and recite the words of spell. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and we thought at the time that that was from Celtic Frost. I was convinced um, it was Celtic Frost. Yeah, we, we were wrong, unfortunately. Um, that was 
those lyrics, those fabulous lyrics, come from a track called Necromancy by the inimitable Bathory. Good God. There we go. Brilliant. Well, honestly, Mo, um, if we had to be wrong about it being Celtic Frost, um, I couldn't have been happier if the correction turned out to be not Celtic Frost, but Bathory. It's brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And any, anybody listening, you must go and listen to that song. It's excellent. In fact, just listen to everything by Celtic Frost and Bathory. Do yourself a fucking favour. Um, topic for this week, good doctor. Hmm, let's go a bit negative. I feel we've been far too positive recently. I'm sick to the back teeth of it. So let's go a little bit negative. Tell me, good doc, your least favourite album by your favourite band, or at least a band that you love. Um, this is a tough choice because um, out of my nominally favourite bands, um, they tend to fall into two categories. There are some that have had short careers and just produced uniformly great stuff. And then there's a lot more and they're amongst my favorite bands because they've produced albums that I dearly love so much. Mm. Um, and out of those, there's often been only one album. Um, and that one album effortlessly makes it to um, the album without which I would not be the person I am today. Sure. The obvious example I can think of is, so as the first category, the obvious example is Joy Division, who did two prop studio albums, a B-Sides and Compilation album, and a Outtakes and Live album. Mm -hmm. And with the exception of two songs, everything they did is fantastic. Yeah. Um, a personal Mo favourite as well, by the way. Transmission by Joy Division. Just absolutely essential listening to any human being, I would, I would argue. Yeah, I mean, they've been with me for 35 years-ish. Mm -hmm. Mm. Now, um, like constant companions. Um, out of the other category is Jesus and Mary Chain and oh, Psycho yeah. Candy. Their, Psycho Candy, their first album, mm -hmm. um, is another one of those really influential albums in my life. Um, and nothing they did after that, I think, I don't think anything they did after that, I've listened to more than two or three times or long yeah. enough to satisfy myself that I don't really need to listen to it again. Okay. As far as a band which I've consistently liked at the beginning and the end of their career that dropped an absolute stinker, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to have to say Lush, mm -hmm. um, who are a wonderful, wonderful band who I loved bits, mm -hmm. um, who I only, I, I only managed to get to see once, sadly. Mm -hmm. um, their first sort of mini LP plus two EPs, which is Scar, um, is an absolutely astonishing thing. Mm -hmm. the second, their second album, um, Spooky, is not so good, but worth a listen to. The third one... For, um, for, for, just, just before you go on, Doc, but for people that might not be... Because, you know, Lush aren't really um, particularly well-known these days. You know, for people that don't know, would you agree if I describe them as like a girly shoegaze indie band from the late 90s? Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yes, they yeah. were amongst the first, and at the time, I think the only band... Um, sort of largely on account of the, the, the two very different personalities of their, their, their two front ladies, uh, mm -hmm. Emma Anderson and uh, Mickey Bereni. Mm -hmm. um, and they were the first band to bring together, on the one side, big chunks of Jesus and Mary Chain, oddly enough, and My Bloody Valentine, and lots of feedback and noise and reverb. And then, mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, um, some 
very twee old school indie pop yeah. tune and vocals mm-hmm. um and um it's that the, they're the sort of band that you could dye your hair a strange color and wear black nail varnish um and have a floppy fringe and have a hoop jersey at the same time mm-hmm. um and we're, we're sort of an, an unusual combination yeah um the the first album is a clatterbang wallop wonderful piece of noise and lovely tunes um and cooey vocals the second one is a bit too stereotypically what people think of when they think of what shoegazing sounds like but mm-hmm. it's okay i do mm-hmm. like it mm-hmm. the third one is an absolute stinker um and it's the sound of a bunch of people who are very clearly pissed off um with and i know what it is they were pissed off about um personally um and a bunch of other stuff um and there are ways of working your personal pissed offness <clears throat> into your records and that album is an object lesson in how not to do it mm-hmm. um there's a lot of very very personal sniping about real actual individuals in the lyrics um the music is underwritten and under rehearsed and underperformed mm-hmm. i can't even remember what it's called um it's the one with the lemons on the cover okay um, and then um they made up for it and then some um on their last album which is probably the most beautiful indie pop album um of the 1990s um, I, I love Lush, um, and I do, me and you might have to have a fist fight at some point, Doc, about this, because I, th- and maybe you're going to correct me here, I think the album you're talking about could be my favourite album, which is the, the one with Single Girl and Lady Killers. No, 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 no. Ah. That's the, you're, you're thinking about the last one. Ah, okay, good, um, good. Fight abandoned. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last one is an absolutely beautiful thing, mm. um, and... When people use the word Brit, they should be thinking of that album. Yeah, it's, fa- it's fabulous, isn't it? It's absolutely, absolutely Pop. wonderful. For me, um, it's, it's, it's an easy choice for me, really. Um, <clears throat> it's Iron Maiden, Doc. It's Iron Maiden. Um, <clears throat> I love Maiden. You know, they're, they're just absolutely sensational. Easily in my top three bands of all time, along with Slayer. And in flames, slate in flames made, and they're my top three bands. No, no doubt about it. Um, but, 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 they had a terrible period, and it's when Bruce left and Blaze Bailey came along. Um, now, I, I don't personally blame Blaze. Um, you know, his voice is what it is. It's a bit weak. It's a bit reedy. But that's not his fault. They chose him. You know what I mean? He, his voice didn't change when he joined Maiden. It was the voice he always had when he was in when he was in Wolfsbane, I believe was the name of the band. Um, I think you'll find they were actually called Fucking Wolf's Fucking Bane. <laughs> that's it. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, just the, the, the production on the albums was so sloppy. The, 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 the two albums are The X Factor and Virtual Eleven. It's so lazy, it's so sloppy. The the songwriting is terrible. The production is weak. And it's no coincidence, by the way, that this is when Steve Harris took on production duties. I think, 
you know, I think Steve's ego got, got the better of him, got the better of him a little bit. Yeah, you know, let let a professional do it. You play your bass, mate. You're really fucking good at that. Let a producer produce. You know, um, just two absolute stinkers in a row. Blaze gets the blame. I don't blame Blaze. Um, I know some people <clears throat> um, who will insist that the loss of Adrian Smith was far mm. more wounding to Iron Maiden than the loss of Bruce Dickinson. Oh, um, absolutely correct. I, well, I, th I think it was. I think it was. A, it, it was a double blow. Um, you know, you, you, you lost the voice of Bruce, and you lost the you know the 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 melody and progressive brain of Adrian Smith, I think. And, he, and, and, and it's no coincidence that, you know, that they both came back um, after these two albums and, you know, Maiden soared once more and, 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 and they, have, they, they continued to do so. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Adrian Smith, absolutely vital. Um, let's move on to the next section. Before that, though, don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slatanicvercast at gmail.com. But now it's time for some Slayer. Okay, welcome to part two of the show. Here we play the track, pause it from time to time to discuss what we are listening to and generally just get on down to a bit of Slayer. This week's song is track one from the EP Haunting the Chapel called Chemical Warfare. Oh yes, here we go. <laughs> Intensity, isn't there? Instantly, we have like next level intensity, right? Compared to anything we've heard off that first album. Yeah, um, and it appears to come out of absolutely nowhere as mm -hmm. well. Um, at the end of the last album, I said that the the very last track was kind of um, an announcement um, of what the new style was going to be. When you get to hear the new style. Um, it sound it kind of sounds like a different band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I want to know what's going to happen next. So let's, let's carry on for a bit. Let's go. Frantic minds are terrified. Life is in the grave. Silent death right high above. Use the revelation. I mean, as well as the intensity, I think we have to note the, um, you know, the, the radical improvement in production here. This is clearly, um, you know, done on a budget that was previously unavailable to them. Definitely. Um, whereabouts in their um, actual, what should we say, contractual career um, are they here? Um, so we, um, are they still on Metal Blade at this point? I don't know the answer to that. You, you, you keep chatting, Doc, and I'll, I'll, I'll do some live research. 
Um, I have an idea in the back of my head um, that um, album three was the first one that was actually on Def Jam. Mm, yeah, um, I think you're probably right about that. I, I, I think Hello Waits is, is, is on Metal Blade, isn't it? So, yeah, at this point, I'm, I'm pretty sure they would have been. So, if, I mean, if, if that's the case, we'll, we'll find out in a second. I'm just, I'm just looking it up. But it, if that is the case, then clearly the, uh, you know, the record label have decided, hang on, you know, we're onto a good thing here. You know, let, let, let's give them, give, give them a bit of a financial boost. Well, um, I think what happened was um, they, they, they got their advance. So mm. um, we already knew that the first album was um, the, not the pressing and the marketing of the first album, but mm -hmm. the production of the first album was funded by, by the members of the band. Sure. Um, and then presumably after they delivered an album and it had been a small hit, Mm -hmm. or by Metal Blade standards, probably actually a pretty good seller. Mm -hmm. um, then um, I imagine the record label stumped up their, their advance, whatever that might have been. Yeah, um, definitely. I can confirm that this was... I'm looking at Encyclopedia Metallum, which is the, the, the website that we love. And yeah, definitely, this was Metal Blade. Hello H was Metal Blade. And then you're quite correct, Doc. Rainy Blood is when they switched to Def Jam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's crack on. Yeah. <laughs> Masterful, Doc. It's 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 absolutely. The, I mean, this is thrash, isn't it? If somebody asked the question, um, "What is thrash metal?" I would just play this fucking song. It's sort of one of those things that uh, I like to look for roots, and I look. I like to look for the origins of genre, um, and thrash metal did played different riffs, it did slightly different speeds, it did different lyrical subjects, but I think you're absolutely right. I think everything that you need to know um, about thrash metal has been in the first minute and a half um, of this song already. Yeah, I think you're right. Is it possible to imagine a chord sequence that sounds more fucking evil than that? that, that those chords in the background are just, you know, just the epitome of evilnessnessness. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, I can only come up with a couple of other candidates. Buried Alive by Venom. Oh, yes. Um, which, in my opinion, is the most evil chord progression. Mm -hmm. um, and the second most evilistist chord progression. Um, <laughs> and it's, I, I almost feel guilty about bringing this up because it's such a cock-obvious answer, is the song Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. Oh, yes, of course, yes, of the, course. The, the chord progression is obviously nothing but the the two flat fifths, the, mm. the Diabolus in Musica. That's right. Uh, Progression. 
Yeah, of uh, course. To reference a future Slayer album, by the way. Indeed. Mm. Um, and just to repeat everyone's favourite factoid that everyone knows, but you're still obliged to repeat, the chord progression that was considered so evil that it was outlawed by the Catholic Church from the 16th century onwards. Yes, and... and... Thank God for that. I don't make no light. Rising your souls from the land with you now. Demons are ready to die. Nothing to see when the sleeping souls fly. interests me because I, I think on the previous album even if the song could have been as intense as we've heard so far this is the bit where we would, where we would have gone all kind of new album and a bit weak now that this bit does sound a little bit new album but it's just so much more intense it's so much more furious um you know they, they, they've just they've switched gears haven't they yeah um so i can pick up a couple of things that are going on here um They've learned to work in a different way with the tools that they'd previously mastered. Um, so there's still elements of Nwabam here. There's still the... the Nwabam isn't terribly technical music, but you need to be able to play to play it. Does that make mm. sense? It does. It totally does, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not um, hard, but it's hard enough that you need some kind of technique. Sure. So I think, if you like, having, having served their apprenticeship, um, in Nwabam, um, having learned to master every tool in the workshop, um, it's as though the master craftsman has now sort of turned them loose in, in, in the carpentry shop to say, well, you know, like now go, you, you can use all the tools. Mm -hmm. um, you have mastery of all of the tools. Now go away and do something original. Yeah. So it's all the stuff we've heard before. Um, and I'm starting to come to think of it as album one, um, was them honing their craft mm -hmm. um, with no demand either from themselves or for anyone else for any particular originality. Um, having learned to use all of these tools in the workshop, um, they've now given free reign to their own imagination. Yeah. And um, this is what we're listening to here. Yeah. Um, it's still a little imperfect. It's still mm -hmm. a little unfinished. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's going to be finished for quite a few years yet. Mm -hmm. um, but... There's rough edges, aren't there? There's still rough edges here. Yes. You can hear them. You know, it, 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 this isn't a polished diamond yet, but my God, you know, it, 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 the, the, the promise is there. can hear good doctor my god it's the sound of a double kick drum sweet jesus dave has come to life i fucking love dave lombardo and i think this is the first time we really get to hear his his prowess yeah now dave lombardo has is one of those drummers who very much has his own fans and i think nowadays i don't think it's unfair to say he has his own scholars mm -hmm. too um, mm -hmm. i think he's credited with being influential in instrumental percussion, um, not merely within the, the ghetto of thrash and not merely within metal. No, you're right. Well, I mean, Dave Lombardo, you know, post Slayer, went on to do um, kind of a really experimental rock 
project with um, what's the name of the guy from Faith No More, Mike. Mike Patton. Mike Patton, yeah, called Phantomus. Um, right. And I think Tomahawk as well. I think I think both of those bands are, are both Mike Patton and Dave Lombardo. Um, you know, I need to fact check that, but yeah, no, no doubt. You know, just just in kind of cool music circles, I think people people recognise the genius that is Dave Lombardo. So, in a few words, um, and related to this particular period of history, um, yeah. so even Dave is still learning. Um, can you come up with a, a couple of points that make Dave Lombardo stand out um, yeah, sure. even See, amongst other thrash drummers? Certainly. I think it's, it's his use of the kick drum. Um, you know, his just his consistency on the kick drum. The fact that he, he, he creates patterns with the kick drum. He doesn't, just, he doesn't just do kind of double timing on the kick drum. He creates little kind of flurries and patterns on it. And then also it's, it's just his excellent uh, use of the toms. You know, just the just just fills basically. By the time we get to um, South of Heaven, I would say probably Rainy Blood, but certainly by the time we get to South of Heaven, you, when Dave is playing the drums, you very very rarely have four bars in a row which do not include some kind of a drum fill. Uh, where he's just going bonkers in the background, and it, and it, and it just really elevates. It just lifts everything, um, and just makes it sound really dynamic and totally original. Um, that, I, I think that's Dave's. That's Dave's um, calling card. Really, is the you know almost like unnecessary manic feel. Yeah, um, I'm going to keep bringing this up um, as we go on um, because. One of the things I want to explore for myself and in the context of the, the, the project we're working on um, is what precisely makes this band stand out head mm. and shoulders above nearly other, any other band in their genre. Sure. <clears throat> um, so Slayer, honestly, are the only um, unadulterated thrash band that I include in my list of top 10 favorite bands yeah. of all time. Mm -hmm. There are some death metal bands in there. There are some black metal bands in that list. There are some progressive rock bands in that list. There's um, a Nawabam band in that list. But Slayer are the only thrash metal mm. band um, in my top 10 favorite bands ever mm -hmm. list. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm very curious as to um, what I'm picking up on, but maybe don't recognize, and what other people see um, that might have led me to that conclusion. So yeah. that's yeah. that's 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 mini essay number one on that subject. Thank you very much. Interesting stuff. Let's press on. <laughs> have to say that was Kerry wouldn't we that was Kerry yeah yeah you, you've got a good you've got a better ear for it than I have you, you're quite correct that was Kerry <laughs>
fabulous Slayer thing again, you know, introducing the the original riff, but this time, you know, one of one of them's going to going to go solo across the top of it. This time, of course, last time was Kerry. This is this is Jeff strutting his stuff on the fretboard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I couldn't really identify. I only know that because I watched a, a live performance of it earlier today in preparation for the for the episode. Um, I am not listening to this in very well separated stereo, so mm. I'm listening to it on. Um, it's a perfectly good speaker, but it, it's um, a single cabinet speaker. Mm. Um, there's not very much stereo separation on it now. Mm -hmm this point in their career because i feel like they did on south of heaven are slayer um using stereo separation on the two guitars i think so yeah i, th I don't think it's i don't think it's as profound as you know south of heaven and seasons in the abyss certainly um where you know i've, I've had a, a occasion where you know i've had a pair of headphones and one of the, and one of the headphones doesn't work and yeah, it, unfortunately, yeah. it renders Slayer unlistenable, you know, it, it, because because they, they they separate so extremely. I think at this point, you're looking at like a, a 30-70 split, I would say. <clears throat> um, I've had experiences listening to very, very, very stereo-produced Slayer recordings mm. um, where I've had people look at me on the street um, because... I've, I've missed my footing and lost my balance because mm. I've been listening to something very, very loud on headphones. And mm. when the focus shifts from one guitarist to the other and it goes from the left ear to the right ear, it's something akin to being slapped across the side of the head um, sure. when, it, when, when it whips across the stereo spectrum so quickly. And it, yeah. it can have a really, really jarring effect. Especially, you know, somebody with your medical conditions and the skin sloughing off your bones, it must be very, very traumatic. <laughs> you know you've never this, this kind of music has, has, has never really been heard before it's being invented as, as they go along just imagine hearing this live for the first time it must have knocked your fucking socks off well it's one of those songs um <clears throat> all by itself makes a buzz doesn't it mm -hmm. um if you'd have gone to that show um you would not have been able to resist the temptation to get on the telephone and call every single person you know who was remotely into metal, there's this band I've just seen, or you know that band, um, and we all kind of like the first album. Mm. Uh, but um, you, you, you need to see them. Um, Holy when shit, yeah. yeah. When, when you're in your town next, um, mm. you, you need to kill for a ticket. 
What a, what, just what a special moment it must have been. Something is about to happen here that is so remarkable, I find it really, really difficult to comprehend. They are about to drop two of the most killer fucking riffs you could possibly imagine. They're going to play each riff once, and then they're going to end the song, and then they're not going to reprise those riffs until three albums later. Do you imagine that they planned that, or is this just something that happened organically? Um, I was going to wait until I brought up this question. Um, how planned do you think it was to have to make a reoccurring motif of mm. the lyric "Hell awaits"? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's very, very interesting. Yeah, but Slayer are quite self-referential lyrically from time to time. Yes, you know, like laughing as you eternally rot. Is an, one that comes to mind because, of course, that, that that was written. Satan laughs as you eternally rock was written down the down the spine of the of the first albums, and and they sing that on on uh, seasons on one of the seasons in the Abyss track. I can't remember the exact song, but um, and that you know they very often they very often on their later albums they will refer back to kind of raining in blood and hell still awaiting and all of this kind of stuff. So they're they're, they're not afraid of being self-referential. So, um, on the basis of that, uh, that um, even before we hear the riffs, I'm going to say, yes, they planned yeah. it. I, th I, 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 I have to believe it's true. Here we go. <laughs> seconds of guitars wailing but no, nothing else in terms of riffs happens so yeah so you know those two those two last riffs um are you know obviously you know people that know their slayer will know this but for, for people that maybe are new to the band um that is how they start um a track from south of heaven called ghosts of war they the end of chemical warfare leads directly into Ghosts of War. You could, if you splice the, the songs together correctly, you could play them back to back and you would not notice the join. Um, it's, 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 it's unparalleled. I can't think of an equivalent outside of, you know, some kind of crazy prog band. Sure. <laughs> very, very personal thing to do, mm -hmm. um, which in itself obviously derives from classical music where in a, a symphonic structure you would typically have a, an, an overture mm -hmm. that um, 
is basically a, a table of contents um, yeah. for the, the album or for the symphony, if you like. Um, and all of the riffs and motifs that you're going to use later in the symphony, you'll sort of lay out in a table of contents. It's, uh, like, the, a... uh, it's like the title sequence to the fall guide, isn't it? That kind of shows you all of the exciting things you're about to watch. That's right, yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, impressions of that song, Doc? I mean, it, 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 it's difficult for me to talk about it because we, we, just without gushing, basically, I, th I think it's so brilliant. Um, it's you know it's going to become very very repetitive with me just saying wasn't that fucking awesome wasn't that fucking brilliant um, because that's my opinion. Um, it's a lot to take in, um, and I mean that in, in in three distinct ways. It's literally a lot to take in. I think the track is nearly seven minutes long. It's six minutes, you know, yeah. but but the last minute is the you know is kind of bombastic wailing at the end. Yes, yeah. so it's yeah. it's a five minute track really. Um, and in the six minutes, um, they stuff a ton of different ideas. Mm -hmm. um, it's really is the sound of a band who are so pregnant with ideas and so full of stuff they want to get out. Mm -hmm. um, lesser bands would have stretched the ideas in that song to an album. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. um, that's got um, enough different riffs and enough components, <clears throat> enough solo components, that a lesser thrash band um, could have used that one song as the source material for uh, a cookie cutter thrash album. Quite and right, there were many, many cookie cutter thrash albums, many of which did not even have as many good ideas as that track. <laughs> You're dead right. I mean, Sacred Reich is the, is the band that comes to mind for me, where, you know, each Sacred Reich track is basically one riff played over and over. I like Sacred Rock a lot, but, but you know, it is just one riff, basically. That, the, that track for Sacred Reich is, 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 is 20 tracks, effectively. Um, <laughs> you know, I love it so much, Doc. Really, I just want to move on to the vocals, unless you've got anything further to add. No, I don't. Um, it's going to take me a long time to unpack it, and mm -hmm. um, by the time I finished unpacking it, um, I think we'll be into discussing the next album. So mm. what I'm going to do is kind of put it down for now and then I'll keep coming. So in the future, I can see myself coming back to Chemical Warfare over and over. And mm. this is like, this is a follow-on from this part that we first heard in Chemical Warfare. Mm. Um, this is an idea that we first heard in Chemical Warfare and mm -hmm. now they've expanded it. Yeah, you're right. So. Let's, let's, let's move on. Welcome to part three of the show, Evil Speak. Here, we read through and dissect the lyrics that Tom screams in our eager, eager faces. So, here goes, verse one. Frantic minds are terrified, life was in the grave. Silent death right high above, brings the revelation. Frantic minds are terrified. Life lies in a grave. Silent death rides high above on the wings of revelation. Multi-death from chemicals. Arrogance has won. Annihilation must be swift. Destroy without destruction. Um, it's not very elegant, is it? Um, they're not great lyrics. Mm -hmm. uh, 
at least at this part of the first verse. Mm -hmm. Here's a question. Um, we are obviously very, very um, before um, Gulf War One or Gulf War Two. Um, sure. We're a long time before the invasion of Iraq. Um, historically, at this point, um, was there any conflict in the world in which it was widely supposed that chemical weapons had been used? Oh, that's a very good question. I, I was thinking about this a little bit, and, and, and the nearest I could think was that they were kind of extrapolating napalm as being the chemical. Um, I thought about defoliants, mm -hmm. for that matter. Oh, yes, um, DDT, for example, is it? And uh, Agent Orange. Agent Orange, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, which, for listeners um, who like to get their, their, their military facts straight, they were not considered to be anti-personnel chemical weapons. They were not deployed as anti-personnel chemical weapons. They were deployed as anti-vegetation agents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. The to get the vegetation off trees and to deny, deny cover to the enemy. Mm -hmm. um, but functionally, they were chemical weapons um, because they went on to cause a great deal of health problems in the places they were used for a very long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I took that line from Silent Death Rides High Above. Now, obviously, there's two ways to... Well, for me, I say obviously, that's a bit arrogant, but, you know, for me, there's, there's two ways to, to read that. Silent Death Rides High Above, for, that's both the, 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 the chemical itself isn't it? But also, you know, that's the that's the aeroplane kind of delivering the, the payload, really. Yes. Um, the nature of the, uh, the silent death, I believe, was a euphemism used not for the delivery of Agent Orange or other chemical defoliants. Silent death was a euphemism for um, what was called an arc light or a B-52 strike, um, which was um, using conventional high explosive bombs in, I believe, four or eight hundred pound units. Mm. And it was called the Silent Death because the B 52 was capable of obtaining an altitude of 72,000 feet and wasn't actually possible to hear it on the ground. It ah, dropped. very interesting. Yeah, so inaudible. It was so high yeah. it was inaudible. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to go back and do some research because um, the other. Um, context in which chemical weapons, of course, were famously used uh, was World War One. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking uh, mustard have... gas, aren't we? Here, Doc. Yes, that's right. Um, and of course, the difference is that um, mustard gas was not automatically lethal, and I don't believe it was intended to be lethal. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was intended to be used as a disabling agent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, which is. Um, to say it would cause sores, it would cause respiration difficulties. It was very clearly intended to hurt people, but I don't necessarily think it was intended um, to be lethal. Sure. I think initially it was in it was intended to to flood trenches being heavier than air mm -hmm. and force people out of their trenches so that they could then be engaged with conventional weapons. Okay, yeah, very interesting, yeah. I like, I, I like this line. Oh, sorry, Doug, go on. No, um, I need to go back and research and find out whether... Um, mustard gas or um, correlated agents used in World War One were ever referred to as silent death. Mm -hmm. I like this line on the wings of revelation because, of course, there's like a biblical, there's a biblical sense to that, isn't there? You know, um, which Slayer are very, very good at invoking. We, we, we'll come to later in, in, in these lyrics, actually. You know, the, this invocation of something, you know, much more fantastical um, than conventional warfare. Yeah, and in the context of the New Testament, 
um, the, the title Revelation is used interchangeably with um, Armageddon or mm. Apocalypse. Mm. Multi-death, um, multi-death, Doc. What do you think about that as a, as a little kind of, um, a little expression? I, I like it. I mean, obviously it means like multiple deaths, but I, quite, I, I like that abbreviation, multi-death from chemicals. It sounds pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I mean, these were um, actual units um, sort of pseudo SI units that were used amongst defense analysts at the time um, and a, a, a weapon that could kill more than one person was mm. described as having a multi-death yield um, oh, if really? it, yeah ah. if, it, if it killed thousands of people it was referred to as having a killer death yield and mm -hmm. of course most relevantly if it killed millions of people it could be referred to as having a mega death yield uh, yeah, very, very good. Uh, arrogance has won. What do, what do they mean by that? Arrogance. Well, the, the arrogance of who? I don't know. Mm. Um, I've never particularly assumed that chemical weapons are the weapons of the hubristic. Mm -hmm. um, nuclear weapons are the weapons of the hubristic. Mm. Mm. Um, they're the we nuclear weapons are the weapons of people who wield power and don't care who knows it. Mm -hmm. um, theoretically, in in theoretical history or in actual history, chemical weapons have been deployed by the people who are sneaky, um, the people who have so little to use, um, they don't mind what people think of them for using such a grossly unethical weapon. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I I can't. I, I think the expression arrogance has won. I, I think it's a little misplaced. It doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Because no. you know, somebody that deploys chemical weapons is not an arrogant person. It's a coward, isn't it, really? You know? Um, well, it's, it's a weapon of the sneaky yeah. um, who, who wants to be quiet and um, who wants to exterminate a village full of civilians. Mm -hmm. um, or it's a weapon of the desperate. Mm. Um, and they're so close to losing that they no longer care about what anyone thinks of them. Let's move on to the chorus. Oh, there's two more lines, but, but I think they're pretty self-explanatory. Annihilation must be swift. Destroy without destruction. There's no real analysis needed there, is it? It's pretty clear. Yes. Chorus, here we go. Gather the throne must be washing from hell, waging the mass in a side. So just defeated by death of the smell, bodies like dormant no light. Gods of the throne must be watching from hell, awaiting the mass genocide. Soldiers defeated by... by... <laughs> There's always a line that gets me in the dock, and this is the one for me here. <laughs> Soldiers defeated by death from a smell. <laughs> by death from a smell. Modded bodies lie dormant, no life. Oh, rising new souls on the land where they fell, demons not ready to die, nothing to see where the sleeping souls lie. Chemical warfare! There we go, that's the chorus. Um, gods of the throne must be watching from hell. What, what, what's it jabbering on about? I have no idea. I literally have no idea. No. Skipping forward a bit. If we're trying to work out what specific conflict this is referring to, you can't use the word genocide in a song mm -hmm. about poison gas mm -hmm. without evoking a very, very specific, a very singular um, 
instance in history. Um, and then you undercut yourself and, 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 and make reference to soldiers. Um, mm -hmm. So the only conclusion I can really reach about which conflict it is, um, it isn't any specific conflict. It's just referring to the use of chemical agents um, as ways of killing people. Yeah, and you know, um, they're painting mental images, aren't they? Not, not, not specifically referring to one battle, one conflict, one war. It's just the general concept of war that they're talking about here, I would say. Yeah. And it takes a fantastical um, twist. And, and since you've already mentioned, um, it, it's, it's come up before and it'll come up again, Slayer really loving to bring this sort of cosmological dimension to mm -hmm. the, the idea of war. Mm -hmm. um, what I take from um, Kings of the Thrones Look On From Hell, um, it's a lyrical concept that's cropped up also on the first album. Um, and it's the, the fact that um, when certain things happen, um, war as an end unto itself is deprived of honor. Sure. Um, there's no concept of um, fighting and dying bravely. Um, there's no concept of using your training. There's no concept of being an expert marksman. There's no concept of using your survival skills. Um, there's no point, there's no concept of using your soldier diplomacy. Um, chemical warfare is just um, a nasty way of dying for everyone involved. That line, gods of the throne must be watching from hell, in my, in my mind, when I, when, when, you know, when, when I read that, when I hear that in the song, it, it, put, it just puts a picture in my head of some kind of antechamber in, in hell. There are three or four or five kind of demons sitting on, literally sitting on thrones, enormous demons. There's some kind of orb floating in the middle of the room. And yes. in orb, they're watching the, the battleground, basically, of, of mortal man. That's what, that, that, that's what I envisage. Yeah, so I mean, in... If we extend that 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 mythological dimension out um, in Norse mythology and in the mythologies of many countries from many other continents all over the world, there is a a, a special place in in heaven or a special place in um, the, the the good part of the afterlife um, for uh, warriors who fall bravely in battle. Um, You're talking about Valhalla. Very, um, various things like Valhalla. Um, mm -hmm. There are things similar to Valhalla in African warrior cultures, mm -hmm. Native American warrior cultures. Sure. Um, you have references to the happy battleground and the happy mm -hmm. hunting ground mm -hmm. and a, a, a special elevated heaven that's reserved for the bravest of the warriors mm -hmm. and a special dismal, especially dismal hell that's reserved for um, cowards and deserters. I went to a massage parlour in Thailand once called The Happy Finish, but it was not only reserved for soldiers. Um, rise, rising new souls on the land where they fell. Demons not ready to die. This is the motif that Slayer keep coming back to, isn't it? Where yes. you're in the war, you know, you're, 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 you're basically, a, you're kind of a, 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 like a meat package. You're in the war. You get cut down by machine gun fire or cannons or chemicals in this case, but your soul does not perish and you rise again. Yeah, um, we referred to this before as um, what I call what, what we call Slayer's concept of the eternal war, or effectively, um, there is only one war. 
Mm -hmm. um, it's the same war that um, that's always going on. Um, previously, because I'm me, I couldn't help attaching a class dimension to this, mm -hmm. um, which is because it's almost inevitably um, poor people who are not widely missed in their societies yeah. um, who get killed, um, then all deaths in war are effectively the same and all wars are effectively the same. And it's, it's a preoccupation that I think we've now seen Slayer visit for the third time Mm -hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? And we're only yeah. really in, in, in track 11 of, 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 of our chronology, you know, and, and so out of 11 songs, three times they've, they've touched this subject. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's obviously a preoccupation. Let's move on to uh, verse 2. Out of this, your fucking beast, line up in death row. Shadows and death bloody beasts, diminish from this hell. Banish from the dying world. Artificial fucking peace line up in a death row. Generals in their slow defeat diminish from this hell. Banished from the dying world, the lords of hell await. Dogs of war are helpless prey to immortality. It's a terrible piece of writing, but I quite, but I quite like the images that it, that it invokes. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's obvious antecedent is the last verse of War Pigs by Black Sabbath, mm -hmm. um, which is, I think, the original of the species um, of effectively a three-verse, three-part song wherein the last verse um, suggests that the outcome of the final war will be a biblical apocalypse, the difference being that in their version, in, in the song's version of the apocalypse, Satan wins. Mm -hmm. I don't like you when Slayer swear. Artificial fucking peace. I never like you when Slayer swear. I don't know why. It just doesn't seem to... It's, it's, it's not... Um, I don't know. It's not apocalyptic enough for me when they, when they, when they have to resort to swearing. Um, I think the reason I don't like it... Um, because it's obviously only ever used as a gloss for filling meter. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What do they mean by um, generals in their slow defeat diminish from this hell? What, 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 what on earth does that mean? The closest I can get, um, apart from yet another Black Sabbath reference, mm. um, there's um, the whole idea of um, that senior officers never actually stick around uh, for the slaughter. Mm. Um, by diminish, I assume they the the senior commanders um, will retreat quietly or get helicoptered out, um, mm. or were never even there in the first place. Um, and I, I, I think we're meant to stress that this in they diminish from this hell, sure, um, as opposed to the other hell which is waiting for everybody else involved. Oh yes, yeah, very interesting. Banished from the dying world, the lords of hell await. I must say, I do love this little couplet. And it's so well, Tom delivers it absolutely wonderfully. The Lords of Hell awake. The way that he says it is absolutely fabulous. It's a great little line. Yeah. Um, I think you have the conflation of, um, we've introduced, in the previous verse, we introduced this concept of the demonic Lords of Hell, who are literal mm -hmm. deep rule over the literal kingdom of hell. Mm -hmm. In this verse, we raise the, uh, the spectre of the, the figurative Lords of Hell, mm -hmm. um, 
to wit the senior commanders and the people who make war happen. It's, it's clumsy and it's imperfect lyricism, but as so often when Slayer have clumsy and imperfect lyrics, um, it's what I have previously filed under um, incompetent but effective. Yeah. Um, and it, it leaves you with images. And the only thing I can really say to it, say about it is that if, as I say, I value ambition more than actual ability, then I can't really do anything but applaud them for it. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. And, and you mentioned earlier, actually, this, 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 this intriguing notion of, of flashing forward to, to the next album without the use of the word Hello Wait. I wonder, do you think they knew they were going to call the next song Hello Wait, the, the, the next album Hello Wait? Do you think they'd written Hello Wait at this point? That is a really interesting question. Um, and if somehow we ever managed to leverage an interview out of this project, mm. um, I would like you to make a note of it right now mm. um, as a question that I, I'd, I'd love to ask an actual member of the band. Sure, um, yes. Mm -hmm. in, um, <clears throat> it's a really, really great um, leitmotif um, mm -hmm. for your it's the sort of leitmotif you, you want your fans to spray on walls. You don't want your fans to spray the name of your band on walls because um, uh, people will get into trouble for that. Um, but it reminds me of um, you know, sort of anarchist organizations who would um, sort of go around Paris typically or Berlin and they would spray a date oh, yes. on the wall. And then when the date came, um, they would replace their own graffiti with another date. Mm. It was a very effective technique for uh, for causing panic, and it, it was it turned out to be a very effective anarchist technique. Mm. Um, I think the idea of having this, this this little light motif that you can you can have it on a t shirt, you can spray it on a wall, um, you can self harm it into your own forearm. Mm. Mm. It's true. Um, Let's move on to verse three, the doctor. Liquid. It's not really the verse actually. This is more like the um, the bridge. Liquidate, the torture kills the troops that try to fight. Terminate, human pesticide bring days of doom. Mist falls, the deadly gas that brings them to their knees. Sacrifice, steal the soul and send his corpse to hell. I love this sequence of lyrics. It's so evocative, it's so powerful. Um, I don't think there's, there's really any analysis necessary from my point of view, but I think it is excellent stuff. It's just picture painting. It's effectively um, getting the, uh, the coloured acrylics out. Mm -hmm. um, and beginning to add texture and background. It is, um, you're right. The pencil sketch that we already had. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, 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 that line, human pesticide bring days of doom. Uh, that's just absolutely fabulous. I, I wish I'd written that. Mist falls, that word mist is interesting. Isn't it? In the past, we've spoken about how occasionally, you know, like Slayer underplay their evilness to like comic effect. And, and mist is, is, is a strange word because really has the potential but there is some there is something creepy about mist isn't there so it really works 
there's something very creepy about NIST. Mm -hmm. um, and there's something really quite clever going on here. Um, we've been trying to work out which use of chemical weapons um, mm -hmm. is being referred to here. Um, Agent Orange is a dust cloud. Um, it's solid particulate. Um, there is a reference to human pesticides. Zyklon B, of course, is a commercial pesticide. Sure. Um, that's why it's manufactured and sold in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, even, um, to this, even to this day, correct? It's, it's still yes. manufactured, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's mm -hmm. probably a good reason that no one you that, that no one you know has ever died from bubonic plague. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's 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 used to keep rats out, to, to kill rats and sewers. Sure. Um, and the um, so the one we're left with the the, the mist um, I would take to be an explicit reference to World War One era mustard gas, okay. mm -hmm. which um, many people didn't in the early months of its use. Many people didn't take even superficial protection from because they assumed it was mist, mm -hmm. um, such as you would get on a World War I era battlefield. Yes, of course, of course. Um, final verse. regions lying in dust fall victim to this game sorry Petrified. there's our dust reference there's our dust reference oh yes you mentioned dust didn't you just just previously yes. and you were saying that uh was it zyklon b's dust or no, agent, agent, orange. Orange. agent orange's dust yes there you go um so mummified regions lying in dust fall victim to this game petrified corpses bathing in rust taken without being blamed Falsified spirits, farther they fall, soon they will join us in hell. See the sky burning, the gates are ablaze. Satan waits eager to merge. Um, yeah, very interesting. You, you said the, the, the dust reference, so that, that ties in our Agent Orange um, yeah. concept. Um, <clears throat> bathing in rust, Doc. Petrified corpses bathing in rust. <sighs> Is this just, again, just kind of creating an image of, you know, a, 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 a battlefield months on where, you know, you have the bodies left in the tanks or in the jeeps um, and, you know, obviously the metal turned oxidizes and turns to rust and the, and the, and the, and the skeletons remain. Yeah, um, I think... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that Agent Orange was actually orange in colour. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it, it it actually turned things into a a, a, a rusty red colour. Um, I think it was just the the, the code name for the chemical. Um, sure. Because I believe it was I believe there was Agent Blue as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I I just think it's it's a piece of um, evocative um, imagery from the battlefield. Um, yeah. Very much said um, that you would. You would have the, the, the rusting carcasses of battlefield equipment. Um, mm -hmm. So I assume because of the use of chemical weapons, nothing, very little would have been blown up or very little would have rolled over a mine. Mm -hmm. um, you, I'm just sort of drawn to imagine uh, an, an almost perfect um, tank which would have stopped where it was um, at the point when its crew got gassed um, and then 
presumably because of the unexploded ordnance inside, nobody would be greatly um, bothered about approaching it um, until the whole thing just rusted to nothing. Well, it, it, it ties back to that line from the first verse, which says destroy without destruction, doesn't it? Yes. You know, so, so every, every, everything's dead, everybody's dead, but, but, but all of the equipment remains, really. What yeah. do they mean by taken without being blamed? Blamed by who? who who's being blamed or not? What they're talking about? Well, there's no, uh, there's, there's no clear origin with the mm. use of chemical weapons. Mm. Um, oh, yes. Um, <clears throat> if you have an asymmetric war, typically only one side has bomber aircraft. Um, if you have a much more conventional war, um, you can dig up the artillery projectiles and you can discover which side fired them and where. Mm -hmm. um, actually, chemical weapons are cheap enough and easily available enough that even in the most asymmetric war, um, even the poorest side can get hold of something nasty from somewhere. Sure. Yeah, um, we, 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 we've all got bleach under our sink, haven't we? Sure. Um, falsify spirits, farther they fall. I, I, I have no idea what that means. Um, I'm going to push it a little bit. I'm going to say it's a continuance of the previous line. Um, and once again, this only actually happened, I believe, in military history, um, after this song was written. But... Um, chemical weapons are the great weapons to use in false flag operations. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> if you want to make your enemy look really bad, um, you dress up in their uniforms and you pop a few canisters of sarin um, on one of your own villagers mm -hmm. um, and leave just enough survivors to be able to attest to, well, the guys who did it, they were dressed like this. Sure, yes, yes. Um, yes, they, they, they had American uniforms on, or they had Korean uniforms on, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, see the sky burning, the gates are ablaze. Wonderfully evocative. That's the gates of hell they're talking about, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So the gates are ablaze. Satan waits, eager to murder. So Satan is sitting in that, in that throne room that we were talking about with the demons looking at the orb. And Satan is just waiting for those gates to open and, and for the, the, you know, the, 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 the corporeal world and, and the demonic world to become as one. Is that it? Well, and, and the most dismal nihilistic take on it, just to, to gather in all of the fresh souls who have been denied entrance to heaven because they never got the chance of a warrior's death. Sure, sure. I, I, I don't think they're particularly well written in terms of structure, but I have to say there's some great imagery um, you know, there's there, there's some things in there that, that will that will stick in my in my brain for some time to come, and and will not never be forgotten every time I listen to this song. I think they're rather good, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a a chemical weapon of a song. Mm -hmm. um, it's not very sophisticated. Mm -hmm. um, the way in which it's applied doesn't display great tactical genius. Um, but if you've got the moral courage, to, if you've got the guts to use it, um, it's extremely effective. Mm -hmm. any, any final thoughts, Doc, before we wrap up? No. Um, it's, um, it's a really, really great song. Yeah. Um, it's a little overlong for me. Mm -hmm. um, 
which is a very, very silly thing of me to say, considering that I'll easily tolerate 19 or 22 or 23 minute songs from other bands that I like. Mm -hmm. Save your conclusions for part four. Welcome to part four of Slaytanic Vercast. Here, we just offer our final thoughts and summations and discuss anything we might have inadvertently missed along the way. But before we do that, some details, writing credits for Chemical Warfare, music by Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King, lyrics by Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King. So a, a, a joint effort on both fronts. According to Setlist, this track has been played 1,448 times and is in seventh position in their overall track list. Not a surprise to me, Doc, there. I don't think I've ever seen Slayer and them not play it. I don't know about you. You would imagine, wouldn't you, um, after a certain time, if you went to a Slayer show and you didn't get Chemical Warfare, you'd feel cheated. Absolutely. I'd be really, really annoyed. Um, any final thoughts before we, before we put our scores on the doors? For me, it has the feeling of a very functional prototype. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's still not battle ready. Um, you could take it into, you, you can take that track into battle. Um, but it's still got some rough edges that um, that need to be ironed out. Uh, it needs some lightning cuts in it. Um, it's still carrying too much weight. As much as there is going on, um, it's still too flabby. It's still not disciplined enough. And that's why we're still not quite close to classic Slayer yet. That said, as a standalone track, um, I really, really like it. Um, it's discarded the past it's discarded the first album very, very, very firmly. Um, sure. There's something I didn't think to mention at the time, and I should have done. <clears throat> um, there is, I, what, I think, what's going to turn out to be um, the last use of the Noobum whale close to the end of verse one. Oh, yes, you're right. I noticed it. And when the song calls for it to be repeated, um, it's, it isn't a, uh, a competent Noobum whale. It's a horrible gurgling scream. Mm. <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, Tom is, is, is not averse to, to, to the high-pitched whale, even, even two or three albums down the line. You know, the most famous heavy metal, thrash metal high-pitched scream of all comes at the start of Angel of Death, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, but it, it lacks that no-album quality. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's clearly there. The one at the beginning of Angel of Death is clearly there to be disturbing. You're right, yeah, um, yeah. Whereas the Noobum whales that Hallmark, the first album, um, were there to make you wave your mighty sword in the air and <laughs> all of that good stuff. That's true. I mean, for me, um, you know, my summation of the track, I, 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 I take all of your points on board that it's not, it's not um, you, you know, it, 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 it hasn't achieved the levels of perfection um, and mastery that may come later in terms of production and technique but I think what overrides that is just the, the, the just the sheer energy of it um, and the just the aggression and dynamism of it so I, I don't really care about those rough edges in fact I think those rough edges if anything elevate it to being something greater than the sum of its parts um, I think you know as a oh that dread phrase statement of intent of what's to come 
Um, it really, you know, it really, really is just a wake up call to the world to look at what we can do, motherfuckers, and you know, just wait for our next album to drop. Um, I think it's, I think it's absolutely sublime. I love it to pieces, Doc. You ready to give your score? Hi, I'm here. Go on then, fire away. As much as I like it, it isn't enough for me to give it more than seven. Mm-hmm. Mm. So a seven, seven out of seven liquescent swords out of ten from Dr. Liquescence. Ooh, I think I think that's very, very harsh. But you're going to think that I'm far too generous because inevitably, Doc, this gets ten mouldering most schools out of 10. It's a fucking masterpiece. It's brilliant. Chemical Warfare, following. Okay, that's it for this episode. Um, don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slaytanicvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be discussing the next track from Haunting the Chapel, which is called Captor of sin. Looking forward to it, Doc, because I bloody am. Good. I'll see you then. You take care.